0: It is Wednesday, April 10th, here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it is, of course, fully NFL draft season around here right now. We have 28 Dynasty prospect profiles up on DraftSharks.com as we speak. Every single one of those is a free read. And really, they're worth checking out whether you play Dynasty fantasy football, Just Redraft, or even DFS, because all these guys are going to be fantasy factors or not fantasy factors at some point, whatever style of fantasy you play. The latest addition, as of this recording, is wide receiver Greg Dortch. And Jared, why don't you give me a quick hit on him?
1: Yeah, if you're into college production and market shares, and especially age adjusted uh, production, I think Dorch is really at the top of this draft class. The problem is he's super small. I think he's like 5'7, 170 something. Didn't test at the combine, did it as pro day. It sounds like he was just okay as far as the athletic testing goes. So I sort of think Dorch is going to go in like the you know fifth or sixth round of the NFL draft, which makes him a bit tough to get excited about.
0: Yeah, I think, though. Dorch, for me, is going to be a player where you go away from um, the analytics of it and you just say, you know what, we're in the third round of a rookie draft. None of these guys is a sure thing. I really like watching Greg Dorch. I'm going to go ahead and take him. And if he goes off, I'll be there with him. And if he doesn't, oh, well, I'll spend a third round pick on somebody else next year.
1: Dorch is what I think a lot of people who haven't necessarily watched Andy Isabella, he's what they think Isabella is. He is that small short-range slot guy. You know, he, he's
0: going to be more of the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker at the next level, I think. Yeah, he's got a lot of strength to add to be Julian Edelman. But sir, I he's fun to watch. If you want to you know, check him out, see what you think about him heading into rookie drafts. And remember that this stuff is ultimately supposed to be fun. We don't have to draft everyone uh, based on probabilities. Right.
1: Um,
0: I've got Alabama running back Damian Harris ready to go tomorrow. Um, today, though, we will be previewing the entire running back class on this podcast. We hit wide receivers last week, so that shows up on the site, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's on to running backs, and we started with wideouts, Jared, because this running back group is not a good group.
1: Man, I'm trying to get excited for this podcast, but I, I, just, I just can't. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't spend nearly as much time watching the running backs and digging into the running backs as I did the wide receivers, um, but I spent, you know, three, four days on the running backs, and it after watching these guys, just like they they all just sort of bled together. No one really popped. I think you can find at least one flaw with literally every running back in this draft class.
0: Yeah, I, I have watched um, more running backs than wide receivers, and every single time I go to do a running back profile, I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Is he special? No. We'll see where he lands. So, I mean, without adjusting for what we've already seen happen in the NFL with running backs of the past classes – I would have ranked at least the top five running backs from last year's class ahead of anyone in this class. Saquon, Bar- According to our rankings last year, you know, before the season, Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Darius Geis, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, those five guys would be ahead of anybody else. Ronald Jones was unfortunately the next one. And, you know, it, it tailed off a lot after that. But those five would easily be ahead of this class, everyone for me. And then even if you look back a year before the 2017 class – at least Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, all ahead of this class as well. And then the next two were Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's tough for me to go back and remember how I felt about those two then heading into the draft, but I would probably have those two guys ahead of anyone in this class as well.
1: Right. And to be fair to this year's class, I think those last two classes were two of the best we've seen in, what, the past decade. Um, but, but, you know, don't, don't, don't expect to see the type of immediate impact from this year's class that we saw from the past too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think any running back in this draft belongs in round one. It looks like Josh Jacobs is probably going in round one. He's the league invited him to the draft in Nashville. Um, He's confirmed to attend. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily going in round one. We've seen some guys who are there now that they've expanded the group that they have in the green room. We've seen some guys last into round two, even when they're invited, but it certainly confirms what seems to be the consensus that Josh Jacobs is the lead running back in this class.
1: Yeah, and that, that's still crazy to me. I mean, the, the NFL must love his tape because his, and we'll talk about him more here, but his, his production is good. It's not great. He did not test exceptionally well at his pro days. And again, it's gotta be these NFL folks
0: obviously like what they're seeing on tape from Jacobs. Yeah. And I, you know, I was toying with who to put it one. I, I, Put Jacobs number one in my um, early rankings, you know, ahead of the draft rankings, which we'll get to in a few minutes, basically based on that, because the NFL is going along with what people have been assuming to this point. Um, even that, So so Josh Jacobs is probably the one running back that I'm considering in round one rookie drafts, though, and that's a lot less than usual, and, and frankly, even then – I'm probably taking the top eight receivers from your list last week Mm -hmm. ahead of Josh Jacobs or anybody else at running back. I'm taking TJ Hawkinson. I'm taking Kyler Murray. I might be taking two other tight ends. And if it's an IDP league, there are at least four or five defensive guys that I'm taking before I'm looking running back to.
1: Yeah. If Jacobs goes in the first round of the NFL draft, I think he'll, he'll deserve to be a first round dynasty pick. Um, and, and then I, I'd sort of guess that there ends up being, you know, one of these other running backs that maybe goes in the second round to a good landing spot that will probably sneak in to the first round of dynasty record drafts. But yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a bunch of wide receivers, two tight ends, and potentially
0: Kyler Murray in the first round. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to you know how we feel about these players heading in and, and who we're looking at to see where their landing spots will be. But before we get to our top quote unquote top tens. Um, Jared, let's talk about some of the top situations that these running backs could land in that will get them immediate uh, or potentially immediate um, fantasy value. And I think that's more important at this position than it is at any of the others, because um, not only is it not an exciting class. So we need somebody that's going to pay off right away rather than long term. But the position, I mean, the NFL is clearly moving ever more toward devaluing running backs, paying them less. Um, not expecting long careers from them. So we want somebody who can give us fantasy value right away. For me, the first situation I look at um, is Tampa Bay, where they scored the fewest PPR points for the position last year. The entire running back group tallied just 1,050 rushing yards. That was almost 200 yards behind the next team. Um, And there's no indication that Bruce Arian's staff likes Ronald Jones. And otherwise, it's Peyton Barber leading that backfield. Right. And so if, if the bucks don't take a running
1: back in the first, you know, three or four rounds that that would make me a bit more optimistic about Ronald Jones, but I I wasn't big on him going into last year's draft. Um, he obviously didn't show anything last year to make me more optimistic about him. Peyton Barber is just a replacement level guy. So yeah, I think Tampa is the best landing spot for a running back, especially again, if they spend a second or third round pick on that guy, I think he'll be the favorite to lead the backfield in touches this season. And I, I just think, I think the Bucks' offense
0: should be a top 10 unit this season with all the talent they have there. Yeah. It'd be a good landing spot for the right guy. Oakland's another one. They do have Isaiah Crowell. Now they signed him for one year, Jalen Rashard, Chris Warren, Deandre Washington, James Butler, Marshawn Lynch, we don't know about yet. He apparently is going to answer after the draft. You know, overall, I think that's enough to get by on this year, but they're clearly not set. So if Oakland were to take a running back by the end of round three, I think that guy could certainly compete for leading that backfield this season. Yeah, and I, I would think that
1: Oakland might be the team most likely to take Josh Jacobs in the first round, just because I, I believe they have three three first round picks, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think you know they could use one of those and sort of splurge on a running back. So I think if Jacobs lands there in the first round, he'd you know be the guy immediately. Oakland another offense that I think you know don't like it as much as Tampa's, but there's definitely upside there with the additions they've made. Um, the Raiders were also 13th in adjusted line yards last year, and they added uh, tackle Trent Brown, so it's a pretty good run blocking line.
0: Mm -hmm. Any other um, situations that you have in that section? If I was ranking, you know, Tampa would be one, Oakland two. My my third
1: would be Chicago. Um, Jordan Howard gone. They did sign Mike Davis, but it was a two-year, $6 million deal. So not like they went all in on him. Um, And again, kind of like Tampa and Oakland, I think Chicago is an ascending offense. So if they were to spend, say, a second-round pick on a running back, I think that guy would have
0: a good shot at 2019 Fantasy value. Yeah, I like that one as kind of a sneaky... um, Solid landing spot with upside. I I I would probably rank Buffalo and Miami ahead of them though. For Buffalo, we had only four total running back touchdowns last year. Then they swapped out Chris Ivory for Frank Gore. I mean, I guess that's an upgrade, but it's also they have Lashawn McCoy and Frank Gore leading the backfield for a team that's going to need production from running back. So if the right guy there could quickly do some stuff, especially if Lashawn McCoy has more hamstring issues, and then in Miami. Um, they were middle of the league in running back scoring last year, thanks mostly to seven receiving touchdowns from their running backs, but Frank Gore is now gone from there. Now they're down to Kenyon Drake and Kenneth Farrow. That's it for running backs on their roster. Currently, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick as a new quarterback. They have an iffy wide receiver core. I think they're going to need lots of production from running backs. And even though I like Kenyon Drake, I don't think he's a feature back for anybody. So I think that could be a really good landing spot. What did Kalen Balazs do to you? He's, he's still, He still exists. That's right. <laughs> he must not have showed up in the view that I was looking at for some reason, but you're right. Kalen yeah. Balazs is on the team as well. Also not a special player, though.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, sp- special athlete, but yeah, his production, you know, was not great at Arizona State. Um, they spent, what, I think was a third-round pick on him. I, I'm still a big Kenny and Drake fan, so I sort of ho- hope Miami does not take a running back. But, yeah, but Buffalo is definitely a good one um, with those two old running backs. You also have a mobile quarterback in Josh Allen. We've seen, you know, rushing attacks get better with
0: the threat of a mobile quarterback out there. You would think that I would especially not forget about Kalen Bellage, since that's the name of my oldest daughter too. <laughs> Jeez. Um, not the Bellage part but yeah. Kalen anyway. Right. Um, otherwise sneaky upside spots, I think are Atlanta where Devante Freeman is, is 27, which is not old, but you have to wonder what he's got after a couple of iffy seasons health wise. And I think the jury's out on Edo Smith. He might be good. He might just be blah. Mm-hmm. Um, You mentioned Chicago, Kansas City, I think is kind of, there's sneaky upside there. Carlos Hyde's on a one-year deal. Damian Williams is on a cheap two-year deal. And then in Philly, I think there is room in the committee overall, um, but especially for like a pass catching type back, because Darren Sproles is getting old. And there's also upside quickly uh, as early as 2020, because Jordan Howard, even though he just arrived, is there on the final year of his rookie deal. So there's no guarantee that he's there beyond this season.
1: Yeah, I like all those. Kansas City, especially. Um, you know, if we're looking longer terms, I, I don't think that the Chiefs think Damon Williams or Carlos Hyde is their long-term answer. So, you know, finding a running back who's gonna be tied to that Mahomes offense could be really lucrative in fantasy. Um two others I have, Baltimore, who just signed Mark Ingram, but Ingram will turn thirty this coming December. Um, he got a three-year deal, but the Ravens can get out of it easily after two. So again, longer term, you know, potentially being tied to Lamar Jackson and a run-heavy offense. And then Houston, um, Lamar Miller entering the final year of his contract. Dante
0: Foreman still a total question mark coming off that uh, Achilles injury he had. Yeah, I agree with both of those for the exact same reasons. So let's get now to the guys that we're going to be watching to see which of these situations they land in. It's an early top 10, and I you know, If you could see me right now, I'd be doing finger quotes because it is is absolutely not a set hierarchy for me. These are kind of 10 guys that I'm interested in, that I'm watching, and it's going to change quite a bit depending on where everybody goes um, in the NFL draft. At one, as I, I think I mentioned now, I have Josh Jacobs. Um, he looks the part when you watch him. He did not touch the ball nearly as much as you would like a top running back to to touch it, which is... I mean really why I'm wary of him but he he seems the near consensus number one guy for film scouts he has been commonly mocked in the first round for a long time he's the only running back invited to the Nashville for the first round um, his pro day got him to an average or above average speed score depending on which 40 time you go with so that was an improvement over what he did at the combine still not stellar I'm not excited but I'm kind of forcing myself to be like okay i guess it's josh jacobs at the top of the class
1: right and it's it sounds to me like i've read and heard some stuff that the nfl views the fact that he didn't touch a lot of alabama as a positive which which does make some sense And, and also in jacobs defense he's in a backfield with damian harris who was the number one Running back recruit in his class. Um, Najee Harris, who I believe was the number one running back recruit in his class. So it was obviously a stacked Bama backfield like they always have. Um, Jacobs did average 5.3 yards per carry, a pretty solid mark. Um, Proof of focus numbers, he was uh, eighth in missed tackles forced per attempt, seventh in elusive rating this past season. So he fares well there. Um, and, and he has the size, you know, 5'10, 220 pounds. So he has the size to be a feature back or at least a lead back at the next level. I also thought he. On tape looked like you know maybe the best pass catching running back in this class. You see him do a lot of downfield stuff. I think he's a good route runner, good hands, adjusts to passes downfield. So I think he he could put up big
0: pass catching numbers at the next level, which is huge nowadays. Yeah, the tape looks good. You can uh, he has more juice than Damian Harris if you watch um, their games. Um, it, you know, if you look at the numbers, you're like, well, why Damian Harris outproduced them every year? I, who knows? So it was coaches' decisions. It was how they decided to use them. It really doesn't matter once they're in different backfields. Um, so who's top in your list?
1: Uh, top. So I have Josh Jacobs, number two, my number one guy is David Montgomery. The knock on him is the athleticism. He tested as a 12th percentile athlete, which is definitely a concern for me. Um, 40 time. Twenty-eight point five inch vertical, which is first percentile. I might be able to jump higher than twenty-eight point five inches. I don't know. I can. Um, <laughs> but I love Montgomery's tape. Um, he's a he's a tackle breaking machine, and the PFF numbers back that up. He was first in this draft class in missed tackles forced per attempt. He was fourth in elusive rating. Um, college production is nice. You know, twenty-three hundred rushing yards, twenty-four touchdowns over the past two seasons. Along with 58 catches, so we can do stuff in the passing game. He only averaged 4.7 yards per carry, but he ran behind some pretty bad offensive lines. Um, other Iowa State running backs this past season averaged just 3.5 yards per carry. So you know that that makes Montgomery's 4.7 yards per carry look quite a bit better. Uh, Montgomery's basically the same exact size as Josh Jacobs, 5'10", 222 pounds. So he has the size to carry the load at the next level. And again, I think he can he can do stuff in the passing game.
0: Yeah, uh, he's one I'll be watching to see where he lands and that's going to change my view on him. I have him at, at 5 on this list basically because of the um speed or lack thereof. Ran a 46340 at the combine and yeah, I checked back over combine running back numbers and here are the su- the most successful running backs that ran 463 or slower. Alfred Morris, Peyton Barber, James Conner, Mawelde Moore, Ruben Drones, Monte Ball, Joik Bell, Theo Riddick. Arian Foster like Garrett Blunt. Now, obviously throw in Arian Foster, that guy is an outlier. <laughs> there are not going to be many Arian Fosters, but you know, maybe David Montgomery can be that. Um, but it, it, it's a group that makes you say, "Okay, let's wait and see what happens. Maybe he's just going to be an exciting college player." That said, if you drop the times down to from 463 to 462, then you add in Carlos Hyde, Mark Ingram, Cedric Benson, Kareem Hunt. So he's right on the verge of where um, you know you can point to examples of what he could be. And it, it, that's why I say it's if he goes in the fifth round to some team that has a starter already, I don't care about him. If he goes late round two to a situation where Montgomery can get some early opportunities, then I'm on board with moving him up. Yeah, and you mentioned
1: Kareem Hunt in that list of guys who, who you know, ran 4-6-something. Matt Campbell coached Kareem Hunt at Toledo, and I think Hunt's first two or three seasons there. He moved to Iowa State, and he recruited David Montgomery into Iowa State, and has said that he he saw Kareem Hunt's game in David Montgomery. So I, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, nice.
0: Yeah, that'll certainly work out. Um, number two on the list, which he had... Yeah, Josh Jacobs was my number two guy. I'm going to go with Daryl Henderson at two um averaged 8.9 yards per carry each of the past two years he delivered the most ppr points per game of all the running backs in this class in um, in 2018 second most ppr points per game career among all of them fifth in the class in career yards or career receptions per game um, 1.7 not a huge receiving class which you know just another knock against the entire group but seasons of 2024 20, and 19 catches for henderson 12 yards per catch um, 8.2 yards per carry career speed scores above average uh, 71st percentile speed score, 80th percentile, 40 time PFF numbers, second and elusive rating first and breakaway percentage. And that's what you see a lot of on tape with him is the big runs. And you can point to him getting some nice um, holes to run through, but you know, he's, he's, he's exploiting it. He puts together big plays in them more than anybody else in the country. Um, and was also 14th in yards per route one run which is solid with no drops as a receiver so he'd like more receiving volume but he was at least productive with what he had uh, and also good at avoiding going down on first contact
1: yeah Henderson's my number three running back Um, so I'm I'm, going to right there with you I didn't love his tape Uh, I thought he was sort of straight line-ish and like you said he did get some huge lanes to run through he Henderson reminded me a bit of Tevin Coleman. I, I think they're they're similar types of runners, but like you said, with that production, it's tough to ignore. Um, e- even in a good running system that that he was in, eight point nine yards per carry is super impressive. The other Memphis running backs last season averaged five point eight yards per carry. So you know, Henderson was three yards per carry better. Um, he's 5'8", 208 pounds. So he's sort of like right on that border. I think of you know being a lead back at the next level. I think he, he'll definitely be an explosive part of a committee. And if he lands in the right place, I think he's a guy who could, you know, get over 200 touches a season. Number three, do you do you have anybody that we haven't mentioned yet? Nope. My top three are Montgomery, Jacobs, Henderson. My fourth is Miles Sanders. Who, who's your three? Yeah, we both have him there. So why don't you hit
0: us with some Miles Sanders stuff?
1: Yeah, okay, Miles Sanders. I mean, he, he had an excuse for doing nothing in his first two seasons because he was sitting behind Saquon Barkley. Um, but Sanders was actually... The number one ranked running back in the 2016 recruiting class, so he's you know been a highly touted prospect for a while now, and then had a nice 2018 once Barkley left, um, 1274 rushing yards on 5.8 yards per carry, also caught. 24 balls last year. Pretty good in the PFF numbers, 22nd in missed tackles force, 26th in elusive rating. Tested really well at the combine, a 73rd percentile spark score, 5'11", 211 pounds. So, you know, I think again, sort of like Henderson, he's right on the border. I think he probably has enough size to be a lead guy at the next level.
0: Yeah, I I did his profile um, and I, you know, I wasn't thrilled there are certainly things that you can find it wasn't it wasn't awesome but he's he looks good there there are things that you can build on and then you see the athletic testing and you're like okay that's why i can see some of that stuff um 70th percentile 40 yard dash 71st in the vert 85th in the broad jump 74th in the three cone and i think those things show up some in his jump cuts and uh jukes at the second level when you watch him not explosive speed but you know fast enough um and then the pro football focus numbers 322 yards after contact on 81 carries in which he saw contact at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's the seventh best total among 96 guys eligible for the rankings, according to PFF. So Miles Sanders was good at avoiding that first contact and good at getting past that um, first contact. Uh, he, the, the book on him is that he needs work and pass protection and needs to improve his ball security. But I think even the pass protection, he showed spots where he's a a willing blocker and able uh, to at least, you know, deliver the initial blow, even if he needs to still improve it.
1: Yeah. I I don't have the fumble number in front of me, but I, I do know he fumbled a lot. So that, that's probably the biggest concern with him. When I was watching him, I almost felt like he was trying to be Saquon Barkley And, 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 you know, be, be creative, make guys miss and almost try to do too much sometimes because he's not Saquon Barkley in terms of size and athleticism. So I think he just needs to sort of, you know, be, be more of a no nonsense runner at the
0: next level. I think that that'll fit his game better. And we at least know that he should know the best way to do squats in the weight room. Correct. Um, I have just ahead of Miles Sanders, I have Rodney Anderson and, um, obviously the, The injury is the big thing with him. And I can understand if somebody's like, forget that, I'm not taking him because he broke his leg as a freshman. He suffered a fractured vertebra in his neck as a sophomore. Then he tore an ACL last year, missed all but two games. So, you know, you can take him off your board if you want. And if if this were last year or the year before, I'd probably be like, yeah, Rodney Anderson, not until round four or five of rookie drafts. But a healthy Rodney Anderson would – at least be duking it out with Josh Jacobs for the top of this class um, and and maybe be clearly ahead of Josh Jacobs. And I think this year that makes him worth the injury gamble uh, a little bit earlier than it would. Otherwise he says he'll be ready for week one of 2019. I would expect that he's not really going to be ready for regular usage because he didn't say anything about training camp. The one full season that Rodney Anderson played at Oklahoma Um, 188 carries 1161 yards 13 rushing scores 6.2 yards per carry caught 17 balls for 281 and five more touchdowns at 16 and a half yards per catch Averaged 6.4 yards per carry career and he looks like that guy on the tape 6 foot 4 224 but fast he's got power he did 25 bench reps at the combine which is basically the only thing he could do at the combine um so you know again, the risk is obvious, but I don't think he he didn't have like the Marcus Lattimore injury where you're hoping that he's going to be able to walk again. Maybe he's an injury prone guy. if he's not, he could be the best running back in the class.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely looks the part. I'll give you that. He, he's big. He, he looks like he would have tested well. Um, the, the injury history is just tough for me to overlook, you know, he, beyond the torn ACL, the, the broken leg, the fractured vertebrae. So I think he, he might just be a guy who can't stay on the field. And he, even in that healthy 2017, he had just 188 carries. He was sharing the backfield with Trey Sermon. Um, so yeah, Anderson sits outside my top ten. I, I get the appeal though, and you know if you take him in the third round of a dynasty rookie draft, I would have no issue with it. But I I don't think I'd go higher than that.
0: Um, number five for me is David Montgomery, who we already hit. So who's next on your list?
1: Um, my number five is is Devin Singletary, and man, he he's tough because he's small. He's five foot eight, two hundred three pounds. He tested in the eighth percentile at the combine, and he's coming from from florida atlantic where you know he didn't play the best competition so there are definitely red flags and i wouldn't kill anyone for ranking him much lower than this but i, I love the tape he's singletary looks like a smaller version of david montgomery to me that they're both super shifty break a ton of tackles um singletary was second in this draft class and missed tackles scores per attempt he was third in elusive rating put up just Massive numbers at Florida Atlantic, uh, 1,900 rushing yards and 32 touchdowns as a sophomore, almost 1,400 rushing yards and 22 touchdowns this past year. Um, And I think he can produce in the passing game. He had just six catches this past year that was under a new coaching staff. In his first two college seasons, he had 26 and 19 catches.
0: Yeah. Are you filing papers there in the background while we're doing this too? That was my uh, phone dropping off the table. (laughs) I did that recently. Um, yeah, I, I did the profile for Singletary and I loved the tape on him and I was, I was not paying attention to the combine testing when I watched it. And I, I, I don't know if you remember, but after I watched it, I was like, Oh yeah, let's take Devin Singletary in the second round. And then I was like, Oh yeah, he tested really poorly. Um, 4-6-6 Four six six in the forty is, is worrisome. the The athletic testing hasn't really been linked to NFL success or otherwise yet. But four six six in the forty is is not good. The best cases historically in that range at running back: Rex Burkhead, LaDerek Blunt, Monte Ball. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Singletary, where he lands, and what they think of him, how early he gets opportunities, but. The, the tape is certainly there, so I'll be rooting for him and hoping that he lands in the right spot. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It, it. It's worrisome to me that that the receiving usage fell off each of the past two years. But like you said, the coaching change, you can't really know what might have been different um, if that hadn't been the case. Yeah, I think in those first two seasons he
1: showed that he, he can catch the ball. He was also 10th in this running back class in pass blocking efficiency this past season, according to pro football focus. So despite the smaller frame, he he can, he can survive there. Draft capital is going to be huge for me with Singletary. Like if he drops the fifth or sixth round, he's going to have to move down my rankings. But if some team, you know, sort of ignores the size and and athleticism and takes him in the third, that that'll make me a lot more optimistic.
0: I mean, we might see all these running backs in the fifth round and later, so it might not even matter that much. Exactly um next on my list is Bryce Love and basically because in this class I'm looking for somebody that does something different from the rest of the group and Bryce Love when he's healthy is a 4-4 speed guy he's top of this class speed wise that's what he ran at the end of high school didn't test at the combine or pro day because of the ACL tear that came at the end of last season um of course that's that's worrisome but it, it ACL injuries are not death sentences at this point. It just means that he's going to be slowed in his initial season. Assuming he comes back at full health, he's got speed at the top of the class. He had the enormous junior year of production, second in the nation in rushing yards and total yards behind Rashad Penny, fourth in the country in yards per carry that year. Um, Receiving usage was kind of oddly low when you compare it to what Christian McCaffrey got right before Bryce Love. Um, But I, I think what we were able to see from him looks like he should be fine as a receiver. You know, we'll see what his NFL coaching staff thinks. I think though Bryce love could potentially be a high octane complimentary back in the NFL. I think he could be a faster Duke Johnson.
1: Yeah. So Bryce love is my running back eight. If last year didn't happen and he was just coming out after that huge 2017, he would probably be my running back one in this class. Um, but, you know, between the drop in production and the ACL, I think there's ob- obviously more risk with Bryce Love. Um, but even last year when he, you know, took that big step back, he was still 10th in missed tackles force per attempt and 13th in elusive rating, according to uh, PFF. So I, I think at least part of it was a you know downturn in the in the run blocking in front of him. And Love also caught 20 balls last year after just six in that big 2017 season. So I think he at least last year
0: showed that he can do some stuff in the passing game. And he also played through an ankle sprain for at least half the season, which was at least reported at one point as a high ankle sprain. I don't know the specs beyond that, but it was a nagging ankle sprain of some sort, which of course I'm sure um, dragged down the production a bit. Again, in a different year, Bryce Love would be like bottom of the top 12 or so. This year, it's like, okay, he's got something that most of the other guys in this class don't have. I'm going to watch.
1: Yep, definitely agree there. Who do you have in that spot? so um yeah so love was my eight so my running back six is damian harris who you know what was that backfield mate with josh jacobs and harris led alabama in rushing each of the past three seasons he led jacobs last year he averaged more yards per carry than jacobs last year Um, harris was at 5.8 to jacobs 5.3 um a thousand yards over a thousand yards rushing for harris as both a sophomore and junior didn't quite hit that mark this past season. Um, also, I think he, he does more in the passing game than I think you'd expect of the type of back he is, you know, s- sort of a bigger straight ahead running back. Um, you know, he's 5'10", 216 pounds, but he caught 48 balls over the past three seasons, including 22 last year. So, you know, with that ability and his size, I think, you know, there's potential for Harris to, to be a lead back in
0: the NFL. Yeah, he also beat Jacobs in, in carries and receptions per game last year, beat him in career yards per carry by half a yard, Outcarried both Bar- Bo Scarborough in, in 2017. Um, Bo Scarborough was drafted into the NFL last year, or two, what was it, two years ago now, um, or last year. Um, but So, so I, I did just do the Damian Harris profile today, as I mentioned. Um, he's, he's fine. He does all these things fine. There's nothing awesome about it. If he lands in the right spot he could jump up to you know five or six in my rankings or, or maybe even a little bit higher depending on the landing spot but the, there's just nothing that jumps out he's like right around average testing wise I think the tape is average um, like he, he's he's smaller and tested out less athletic than Scarborough so he did lead these guys in carries um, but I, I think he's basically Jordan Howard yeah, that's I actually
1: like that comparison. I think again, Harris might be able to do more in the passing game. But yeah, there's nothing flashy about his tape. He didn't test particularly well. He was 46 percentile spark. But I think you have to give him credit for getting the ball more and being more productive than Josh Jacobs um, and, and you know uh, Bo Scarborough last year. Yeah,
0: yeah, I certainly give him that. And like I said, he could easily pass five of these guys in the right landing spot. I, I mean, honestly, I kind of cheated. There were, you know, guys I was considering putting in here and I saw your list before mine. So I figured, oh, he's got Damian Harris. I'm thinking about whether to take him out. I'll go ahead and take him out and include somebody else that Jared doesn't have. Nice. Uh, Number seven, I got Justice Hill. I know he's somewhere on your list too. Um, 206, 268, 158 carries over the past three seasons, 30 touchdowns, um, 49 career catches, including 31 of them in 2017. So that puts him toward the top. Uh, of receiving usage in this class. 56th in pass blocking efficiency. So right around average for the running back group. We'd like to see that better, but there's at least some there. Um, the big thing for Justice Hill is he's got speed. Um, 4-4 at the combine. So because Bryce Love didn't run, Justice Hill is the fastest running back in the class. Um, and I think his feet look good on tape besides the speed that shows up in the 40 time. I think the the agility looks good when he runs.
1: Yeah, I, I was probably not as big of a fan of his tape as you were. I thought a lot of his production was just a, a product of being in that Oklahoma State wide open offense. But yeah, I mean, he, he's my running back nine, and it's just like a guy that tested that well. I, I just just sort of think, especially in this class deserves to be in the top 10 besides the four, 4 40 time. He was 93rd percentile in the vert 96th percentile in the broad. So he finished with an 89th percentile spark score, which I think was top three in this class. Um, Hills 510 198 So, you know, he, he's sub 200 pounds. So I I'd sort of bet against him ever being a high volume guy at the next level, but you know, he's a guy who, you know, another guy, maybe in that Tevin Coleman mode, where, uh, mold where he you know sees 150 to 200 touches in a season
0: and makes some big plays. And really in this class, I mean that might be a mark in his favor as opposed to a mark against him, because I don't think we've got very many guys that are actually going to be backfield leaders for long in the NFL. Justice Hill, on the other hand, could be a complement to a bigger guy in a backfield for however long a team is willing to let him do that. And we've seen, you know, plenty of those guys even climb as high as RB one territory in PPR scoring lately. Yep. Um, who's next on your list? So my number
1: seven is Alexander Madison out of Boise, Boise State. I I have a thing for Boise State backs. I think I was you know a big Doug Martin fan early on. Um, I, I'm still a big Jajai fan. Um, so you know Alex, Alex Madison, the next guy from Boise State. I'm going to be high on. I think um, 5'11", 221 pounds. So you know he has lead back size. Tested fifty third percentile. Uh, spark guy at the combine. So a good combination of size and athleticism. Um, ran for over a thousand yards with 12 rushing scores as a sophomore, plus 28 catches that year. This past year, 1,400 yards and 17. Rushing scores with twenty-seven catches, so he he did it on the ground and through the air. Um, Average just four point nine yards per carry, which I, I think would would be the concern for me. Um, he's not a, not a big play guy. Despite the spark score, he, his forty time wasn't good. It was more of the the jumping drills and the agility stuff, which I think shows on tape. He's more of a make you miss guy than you know bust off a forty yard run type of guy. Um, he was fourteenth in missed tackles forced per attempt in this draft class, so you know the 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 PFF numbers there sort of back that up.
0: Yeah, and a tough, strong runner, too. I mean, he, he runs to that size. The You like the receiving volume, I think. The the fact that he gobbled up a lot of the touchdowns at Boise State. He had 71% of their rushing touchdowns last year, um, 31.5% of the team's total touchdowns. So he just like Damian Harris, he's a guy that easily could have been inside my top 10. But I saw that he was in yours, so I didn't bother including him when I was trying to decide um, who to put in there. Uh, Devin Singletary is eighth on my list. Um, I know we already hit on him. I know that you have Bryce Love at eight. We already hit on him. Number nine for me is Devine Azigbo from Nebraska. Never topped 155 carries in a season in college, but did increase his usage each year. He averaged 4.2 yards per carry over his first three seasons, 7.0 yards per carry as a senior. 10 yards per catch career on 49 receptions, 23 catches last year for 203 yards. According to the pro football focus numbers, Ozigbo's poor in pass blocking and has questionable hands. I think on tape, the hands look more inconsistent than bad. I think he can catch the ball. Um, And he also, according to PFF, came in eighth in elusive rating, 14th in breakaway percentage, and those are for a guy who was a 220 pound. So, like a big guy that you expect to see running between the tackles, could also get it downfield, could also avoid tackles, did not get invited to the combine, did have a good pro day, ran his 40 time somewhere in the four or five range. You know, we never really know at pro days exactly what they run because there's not an official time. Everybody's doing their own hand timing. But Even if you take the worst possibility from there at 4.59, he'd be slightly over 100 in speed score. If you take the as fast as 4.54 that Tony Pauline reported, that would be a speed score of 104.5, which is good. Um, So Zigbo is an upside guy that I think, along the lines of Josh Jacobs, we might not have seen how good he can be yet.
1: Yeah, I I didn't do many... um... NFL comparisons for this running back class, but when I watched Ozigbo, I, I totally saw Latavius Murray, um, a big back who can run through tacklers with really impressive long speed for, for a guy as big as he is. Didn't see much change of direction ability though with Ozigbo, so I think that'd be my concern. I think he probably needs to get behind a good line to have success at the NFL level. And the biggest knock against him for me is that he wasn't invited to the combine. You know, if you're if you're sort of not on the NFL's radar. By the time you know the college season ends, um, I think it's going to be tough for him to you know get drafted before the fifth or sixth round.
0: Yeah, I don't care so much about that part when we're talking about a class like this. <laughs> sure, I mean there's been other guys that weren't invited to the combine that did just fine.
1: Yeah, but I mean those guys are the are the exceptions. It, it's 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 definitely it's definitely a concern.
0: Yeah, and certainly when we're as we're getting down to the top ten of this class, quote unquote, we're talking about guys that were hoping to be outliers rather than guys that were counting on big stuff, bro. Sure. Yep. Why don't you give us number 10 on your list? Because I know you had Justice Hill at number nine. So who's your number 10?
1: Yeah, my number 10 is Trayvon Williams out of Texas A&M. And he's a guy I want to rank higher. Last year, 1,760 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns on 6.5 yards per carry as a junior against tough SEC competition also caught 27 balls for 278 yards in a score so hit, you know his 2018 was as, as impressive as any running back in this class um, the the problems he's 58 206 so he's a bit undersized he tested as a 15th percentile spark guy and also didn't fare too well in some of the more advanced metrics on PFF 37th in missed tackles forced per attempt 29th in elusive rating so you know that has him sitting a bit lower than I sort of want to rank him, but uh, you know, if someone takes him in the third round, even fourth round, he'll probably be moving up these rankings for me post draft.
0: Yeah, I could see it as well. Trevion Williams was the uh, the other running back that was like, uh, should I keep him in there? Nah, Jared's got him, so I'm gonna include somebody else that I want to mention. Um, he, he, you know, he looks fine on tape, not not spectacular, but like he certainly could be solid in the right situation. I'm gonna finish up the top 10 with Alex Barnes from Kansas state, who might be absolutely nothing, but might also be something. He ripped up the combine most bench reps for a running back since 2000. So he's strong. The third best vertical among this year's running backs, the best short shuttle, the second best three-cone drill. Um, his 4.59 in the 40 is not spectacular, but it's much better for a 226-pound running back. It gives him a 101.8 speed score. That's above average. It's 70th percentile for the position. He tested 99th percentile Spark. And, you know, we've mentioned Spark a lot in the show, and there have been more challenges lately to the usefulness of Spark and especially the application of spark across um, positions, but we're not calling it a correlation to NFL success. We're just using it to look at maybe how athletic these players are as we're comparing them to each other. The player profiler comp for Alex Barnes is Zach Zenner. And that's not an exciting fantasy outlook, but Zach Zenner is also a an athlete that has caught your eye in preseason games in particular has gotten some people excited it shows that you know with some opportunity maybe you can do something Alex Barnes didn't have a huge college career but he did increase his production each year 5.7 yards per carry career 8.9 yards per catch 20 receptions in 2018 were actually third on the team Kansas State did not throw the ball much they ran it almost twice as many times as they passed it um, and Barnes handled 82% of the running back carries last year, 92% of the running back rushing touchdowns, uh, so dominated their backfield um, last season. I think when you put the production together with the terrific combine and, and solid tape, I- I'm curious to see where Alex Barnes goes. Yeah, I thought his tape was solid, like you said. I didn't
1: see that athleticism on tape. Like I, I could see it with Justice Hill. I, I didn't see it with Barnes. I, I'm not a professional tape Watchers, you know, I I am going to put some stock in the fact that he he killed the combine. Um, he he also though he wasn't good in missed tackles forced per attempt or elusive rating. He was forty seventh and sixty fifth in this draft class according to, to PFF. So that that concerns me. Um, he also had a thirteen percent drop rate this p- past season. So you know, although he caught twenty balls, I think you know his hands are a bit of a question mark.
0: Yep, certainly question marks about him. But uh, I'll be, I'll be watching outside the top ten. Any other intriguing options for you? I got two guys. Um, Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. I, I really liked his
1: tape, and then I dug into him more. And he, he's a guy I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. He does have some off-field concerns. He was arrested for marijuana possession in 2016. Suspended uh, that'll for, be legal <laughs> right? Suspended for four games this past season for undisclosed reasons. Um, but again, I like the tape. Um, he's 5'11", 212 pounds, and the 70th percentile spark guy. So you know, he kind of checks the boxes there. Didn't reach 40 carries in a season until this past season. So, you know, he only has one season as the lead back. Even last year, only 158 carries, but he did average 6.3 yards per carry. And I liked what I saw from him as a route runner. He only caught 16 balls. But um, again, just just from the tape, I think he he could be a guy who can catch, you know, 30 or 40 balls in, in the NFL, I think.
0: Is Notre Dame ever going to give us a running back with like <laughs> strong regular usage? CJ Proceis, Josh Adams, yep. um, now Dexter Williams. I, I don't They're bugging me.
1: <laughs> hey, I mean,
0: Josh Adams showed pretty well for, for what he was last year. Yeah. An undrafted free agent. Exactly. Um, who else you got in that section?
1: My other guy is Darwin Thompson out of Utah state. You know, he, he'd be my, my super sleeper here. He, Thompson was not invited to the combine like divine Ozygba. So, you know, that's the knock on him. Um, he also spent his first couple of college seasons in uh, junior college. So just one season at Utah state, but he averaged 6.8 yards per carry and scored 14 rushing touchdowns. Also caught 23 passes for 351 yards and two scores. And according to PFF, Thompson was third in missed tackles forced per attempt in this draft class. He was first in elusive rating. Um he's undersized at 5'8, 198, so not going to be a workhorse. But he did show very well at his um pro day, especially in the jumping drills and the the three cone. So I think he he has that explosion. He has that change of a change of direction ability.
0: Yeah, and a strong runner for five, eight, 200 yeah. pounds. Um, he, he talks about his ability in the weight room. So he's at least a hard worker. It seems like, and, and runs like it. Uh, he made my list as well. I'll be curious to see what happens with him. A couple other guys that I wrote down Darren hall from Pittsburgh, 21st in the class in elusive rating by uh, pro football focus second in breakaway percentage. So kind of similar to a Zigbo, a big dude, but a guy who can get down the field when he has the opportunity, 217 pounds for hall. His 40 times his pro day, anywhere from the mid 4-4 range to 4-5, the low end of that would give Darren Hall the third best speed score in the class. Um, A 4-4-5 would jump him ahead of Bryce Love, uh, who, of course, didn't didn't run the the combine 40, so we're just going on the number we think for him. Otherwise, Darren Hall at pro day – 27 bench reps, so he's strong. 10-2 broad jump, 32-inch vert, 6-7-2 in the three-cone, so he's a big dude who's also agile. He tested out faster and more agile than teammate Cadre Allison, who was invited to the combine. Um, I think Darren Hall looks like the higher upside player between those two. Averaged 7.5 yards per carry in his final season there. Finished behind Allison in carries and touchdowns, but averaged 1.2 more yards per carry. Caught four more balls. Um, it was kind of a loaded backfield, which, which accounts for some of the limited workload.
1: I, I had not looked into Darren Hall, so I, I'm not going to BS about him, but I will um, go look into him this afternoon.
0: All right. That's the goal. We're, we're about learning here. And then my other one is James Williams from Washington, Washington State. And not because I'm excited about his um, three down potential, but only because of the receiving. He is way ahead of this class in receiving production. Um, averaged I think it was 5.6 receptions per game no 6.4 receptions per game this past year the next guy in the class was Tony Pollard at 2.8 um, career receptions per game James Williams had 5.2 which doubled Tony Pollard who was again the next, the next guy in this group so heavy receiving usage for James Williams at Washington State horrible speed score which is disappointing for a smallish guy Um, said he wanted to try to get his 40 time down at the pro day, but then ended up skipping the testing because of the surface, because they were running inside. Testing-wise, though, he did test better than James White and Theo Riddick, and I think that's kind of the realm in which there's a chance James Williams makes an impact. The third down type of back, the receiving back guy who could catch 50-plus passes while carrying fewer than 100 times.
1: Yeah, I've heard multiple people count, uh, James Williams to James White, and James White didn't test bell either. So I, I think it makes sense. I, I watched James Williams though, and, and and it was it was like two or three games, but the majority of his catches were just like dump offs. Um, I, I didn't I didn't see him like running routes or making catches downfield, or you know it, it was so, it was sort of underwhelming. I, I I wanted to like the tape better. Um, you know, based on the receiving numbers. But yeah, we don't see many running backs coming into the, into the NFL with that type of receiving production. So he's definitely intriguing.
0: Yeah, and I throw him out there only as like, a, okay, it's fifth round of the rookie draft. Who should I take now? Oh, maybe James Williams can catch, you know, 40 to 50 sure. passes at that spot in a year or two. Yep. Who in this class do you think is overrated or might be overrated? I think it's tough to say right now who's going to be overrated because – running back rankings are all over the place and they're going to change quite a bit, I think, when we get actual draft position. But based on what we've seen so far, who do you think might be overrated?
1: Yeah, the, the biggest disparity between the rankings over at Dynasty League Football and mine are on Elijah Holyfield. Um, he's running back 11 in the DFL ranks. Um, I have him running back 18. He, he's a guy, I honestly, a, a draft would have to, a rookie draft would have to go, you know, probably six rounds before I would consider drafting Holyfield. I, I just, don't see anything to get excited about. You know, I think most people know about the combine performance. 4.78 40 time. He finished with a third percentile spark score. He went over a thousand yards last year, 6.4 yards per carry um, at Georgia in a timeshare backfield. So, you know, he, he has a, a decent um, production profile, at least as far as last year goes. But he was just 29th in missed tackles force per attempt, just twenty-fifth in elusive rating, and offers nothing in the passing game. He has just seven career catches. Um, last year, he made five catches and finished with a 16.7% drop rate. So I don't think he's going to make an impact in the passing game in the
0: NFL. Yeah, exactly. He, if he tested poorly but had great tape, then you know maybe be interested. If he had iffy tape but tested great, then maybe we would be interested. But I thought the tape made him look okay. And then the testing was horrible. Um, if, you, if you look back, only five running backs have posted a 40 as slow as Elijah Holyfield's. And a vertical of 29 and a half inches or less, like he did. Only 19 other backs have run a 40 as slowly as he did. Uh, None of those guys produced in the NFL. The best guy in that group is Antonio Andrews, who had one year of decent production in Tennessee because two other guys got hurt ahead of him. Even if you drop the 40 time down to 475, like lower that threshold to try to look for some upside. The best you get is Matt Asiata. So maybe Elijah Holyfield could one day become Matt Asiata. And then he'll be the bane
1: of all fantasy owners' existence.
0: <laughs> we'll all hate him rather than loving him. I, so Elijah Holyfield's there for me too. I think Benny Snell is the other guy who looks like he's being overrated to this point. Uh, you know, I, I haven't watched a lot of him, but I mean, he's a big guy who's slow. And there are plenty of those running backs in this class. I feel like I can get somebody at least as good at any point.
1: Yep, I'm with you on Snell. I have him like ranked a couple spots ahead of Holyfield just because I think he did a bit more in the passing game and produced for more than one season. So he he's Snell to me is just like a slightly less worse version of of Elijah Holyfield.
0: Yeah, and these two guys are you know just an example of why I think you look for somebody like. Bryce Love or Justice Hill, who even though you can pick apart and say they don't do this well, I wish they did this better. They have the one thing, whether it be speed or agility or production or whatever, that the rest of the class is lacking.
1: Definitely. And I I don't think we made a big enough point, or at least I didn't during this podcast. To me, I mean, I'm looking for guys who I think can catch passes at the next level because we've seen it now, you know, especially in PPR leagues and even in non-PPR, you need guys that are going to catch the ball to, you know, be reliable
0: weekly fantasy producers. And there are stat geeks out there right now showing that it's not it has not historically been very common for running backs to not catch the ball much in college and then turn into um, higher volume receivers out of the backfield in the NFL. Great. So that's going to do it for this running back edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to check out our entire library of free dynasty prospect profiles, especially at running back. These could prove particularly useful for 2019 redraft purposes, along with dynasty rookie drafts. Of course, this is a position that relies heavily on immediate returns presents less of a long-term outlook in the NFL. We're up to 28 players in that group. Now the latest, as I mentioned at the top is wake forest receiver, Greg Dorch. Um, I've got Damian Harris coming tomorrow. So it's going to be growing right up until draft week, which is approaching of course, quickly. We've got quarterbacks and tight ends tab for the show next week. We did receivers last week. Check out all the episodes, get to know all the rookies. You can find us on Twitter. We are at draft sharks. Jared is at Smola DS. I am at SchaufDS. DS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F for Jared Smola and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shalf thanks so much for swimming with us.